Greetings from Podcastville, you cocksuckers. It's Monday, the 19th of April. We're fucking almost to 420, but before we get started, the joint today is brought to you by Blue Chew. Listen, sometimes you need a little something extra to make your little soldier stand at attention. There's nothing to be shameful about. You understand me? I'll let you in on a little secret. Get Blue Chew and combat all forms of erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable dick pill. It's easy and all totally legit. No fucking snake visits. No fucking horn, whatever you get these people who fucking snort fucking dusk and fucking I, I don't know. It don't matter. Blue Chew is an online prescription serv- service. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No fucking eye contact with the doctor. And most importantly no waiting online at the pharmacy. The process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com. You talk to one of their licensed medical providers. And voila! Once you're approved, you receive the prescription within days. It's shipped right to your door. You understand me? A discreet package. The mailman don't know dick. Nobody knows nothing. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly. It's way cheaper than any fucking pharmacy that you're going to use. Blue Chew is the way to go. Now you're sitting there going, Joey, come on. You know I'm 24. I got dick for days. Well, what? you know what? It's time to have dick for weeks with Blue Chew. Why not go in there and put a fuck? You want her to walk home going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> All right? And today they got a special deal for you. Try Blue Chew for free. Joey, what are you talking about? Free, cocksuckers. Free when you use promo code Joey at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Joey, and you receive your first month for free. And as always, I want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the joint and you fucking savages for using Blue Chew. The church is also brought to you by CBD. Lion, listen to me. They're having a 420 sale. Use my promo code Joey or Church, and you're going to get 35% off. I've been telling you about CBD Lion for years. I've been telling you about what they did for me during my surgery and how it worked for me and how easy it made my recovery. Now it's time for you to use CBD Lion, whether you have anxiety, whether you you have pain, whether you have insomnia. CBD Lion can help you, okay? Go to CBD Lion right now. Read the third part lab results what they're gonna do is if you spend over 75 dollars you get a gift and you can register to win the playstation 5 giveaway go to right now cbdline.com read they're gonna have the 420 sale 35 percent off enter code joey or church and get 35 percent off cbd line delivered right to your motherfucking house who's better than cbd line nobody whether it's the bath ball the roll-on the fucking gummies the chocolate they'll bring that cbd cbn cby to you. So right now, go to cbdline.com right now, press in Joey, and get 35% off for that 420 sale, which only lasts till tomorrow. Now it's time to start the motherfucking joint. Candles lit, cocksuckers. Blue Chew and CBD Line. Let's do this.
check one two. Welcome to Uncle Joey's joint. What's happening, you bad motherfuckers? It's Monday, the nineteenth or the eighteenth. Who the fuck knows what it? I think it's the eighteenth. I 19th. hope it's it's the nineteenth. That's right, the nineteenth. A beautiful fucking day to be alive. I had a great. Let me tell you something. It was a great fucking weekend. Uh, she had three hits again. The team lost, but it's not whether you win or lose. It's how many fucking points you score. We all know that where that fucking came from. But it's uh. It's been a lot different. I wanted to tell you guys about my week last week. It was fucked up. I had two auditions last week. You got to put auditions on tape now. They're a fucking nightmare. I've been putting them on tape for a few years, and I'm good at it, but they're still a fucking nightmare. And they've been a nightmare more and more the last couple of years because you cannot read the lines with your glasses on. It's very unprofessional. They cannot tell, so you have to know your motherfucking lines, right? So I got to know my lines. So I got two auditions the same week. One was for a Cuban fucking dude, okay, which I never get auditions for a fucking Cuban dude. And one was for a fucking Italian dude where I had to speak fucking Italian, right? I, I don't know. I took two years of high school Italian. I don't know. I don't know about Italian, right? So, you know, I didn't want to put it on mic. I, I, I was struggling with it, you know. It's very weird lately that I read shit and I could memorize it. I can't. My memorization is fucking gone from this pandemic. I'm getting better and better and I'm taking my alpha brain, but still, it's fucking a little on the rough side. Never mind fucking a, a language, a, a different language. I got to. So I had this uh, fucked up situation where my wife, I finally went to my wife like Wednesday afternoon and I was telling her about it. I go, you know, I got to put these auditions on tape and. They're fucking rough. One's a Cuban dude, and the other's a fucking Italian dude. But that's speak Italian. I don't even know where the fuck to start. So my wife says, fuck it. Let's just work on it. Let's work on it tonight, and let's do it. So she helped me a little bit Wednesday night. Tuesday night, I had worked on it by myself. And Thursday, I got up fucking dragging dick like, I don't want to fucking do this, right? We finally did them. I did both of them. I had a change, I had to fucking comb my hair a certain way, I had to fucking, you know, because one dude was 1970, the Cuban, so I had to comb my hair to the side, and you know, look at me, I don't look fucking Cuban, so I had to convince them, like, I know the lady, so I had to explain to them, like, listen, it took me a while to do this audition, because I was trying to grow a mustache, but then I realized I can't grow a mustache like most people <laughs> in fucking three days, I got friends that become the Wolfman in two days, I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't do nothing. So I left it just enough, and I shaved around it, but even with the thing. But then later on, when I looked at the fucking tape before I sent it, my wife goes, they're both great. You know, you want to take a look at it? And I go, I, don't, I hate looking at myself. <laughs> and finally, I looked at myself, and holy shit, I go, when I went to the gym Thursday, they told me I lost another three pounds. I go, Jesus Christ, I'm losing too much fucking weight too quickly. I'm sticking to these points, and I'm not eating pizza and shit, and I'm working out. 
I saw the size of my fucking nose, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, look at the size of that fucking bugle on your face. I mean, <laughs> that thing is fucking huge. I've lost weight over here, so it's made my nose look like Michael Jackson on the Greatest Hits album. Have you ever seen the Greatest Hits of Michael Jackson? <laughs> before the He's surgery. got the fucking pigeon before the surgery. His nose is from here to here. And let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a funny story that I told the guys on Patreon. I'm going to be honest as I can with you. When I was about from 1988, to the time I got, from the time I got out of prison to about 1997, 98, I don't know when, how long. I, I'm just letting you guys know. This is how fucking crazy the cocaine had me. I wouldn't snort coke with people who had a big nose. Like if somebody had a big nose, like a chick had a big nose, you ain't coming back to my hotel room. Because in my mind, <laughs> that bitch could put away some cocaine. You understand me? So I, I fucking didn't fuck around with people who had big noses. I still remember one time in Miami, it was this cute girl, but she had one of those little fucking hook noses. And I, she was talking shit. And I'm like, listen, I'll, I'll take this girl back to the hotel, whatever, we'll do some coke. And I'm like, you know what? This chick looks like she could fucking outsnort me. I'm not going to bring her. Look at that fucking hose on her face. So for years, I had a fucking problem with people who had a big nose and cocaine. I just would avoid them. If I saw somebody who had a big nose, I'm like, I'm not doing coke with them. That's how fucking crazy I was on the fucking drugs, just to let you know. But I do this thing on Patreon. I did it one time, and I was going to do it again this week. This is the fun. You know, life is fucking weird how it works out. You know, uh, I was going to do it again. I did this thing about angels on patreon last month where i put a picture up of a friend of mine who died and i tell you the story of how he affected my life you know and last month i was going to do anthony balzano and this month believe it or not i was going to do dominic special so when i get the call for the italian audition i'm sitting there rubbing my fucking head and i'm like who am i going to call for this in the last 10 years, I've only gotten one other Italian audition. It was for Boardwalk Empire. And I called this girl. When I was a kid, I had a friend, Dominic Special and Anthony Balzano. Anthony Balzano died in May of eight, of 78. And this is why I'm fucked up. If you want to know why I'm fucked up, uh, Ant Anthony died first. Then my mother died in November of 79. And then Dominic died in August of 80. So I lost three friends once in a while. I didn't want Mike to have to superimpose it up here. And then you people are like, ah, oh, you stole from fucking John Oliver, whatever. So I just brought okay. a picture. This is, this is my brother, Dominic Special. He died on August of 1980. I still got his picture. He's on my ancestor table. I light a candle for him every week. I lost, you know, when he died, he had an older brother and he had a younger sister. And I was tight with the older brother, but he, uh, I lost contact with him after I left, you know, after I left Jersey in 80, 83, I lost contact with the older brother. And I never really thought about the little sister. From time to time, I would go, I wonder how Vita's doing. I wonder how, my, you know, she's doing. And can you believe in 2007, I'm doing Tom Likas. And out of nowhere, he takes callers, Tom Likas, on his radio show. And fucking, uh, they go, you have a caller that wants to talk to you. Her name is Vita. She said that she grew up with you. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Put her through. 
And, you know, she put her through and she's like, Coco, how the fuck are you? This is Vita. I'm Dominic's little sister. I grew up with you. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I remember you. I still remember her, like, coming around and Dominic chasing her away because she was younger. We were doing something. We were lighting something on fire or something. <laughs> and she would walk up to us with a little dress and little shoes on. So I've been tight with Vita since 2007. She came to my wedding in 2009. She did the whole fucking thing, you know, so... Whenever I get in the town, like even for the Soprano movie, anything I have to do Italian, when I'm reading the lines or when I'm preparing for the movie, I'll contact her and say, is there something I could say here? Is there something? Now I'm going to play for you guys what I had to learn, okay? This is what I had to listen to for two fucking nights in a row. I just want to tell you that, that just so you know that I'm not a fucking hack or whatever, <laughs> I try to prepare the most I can. You ready? This was on loop all night. And I'm sitting there. And I would just catch on with This is what I had to do over and over. Three hours Tuesday night, three hours on Wednesday night. I had a fucking Italian headache. Listen to this. Is that you, her? This is her. <laughs> so I'll call her, send her the lines, and she'll fucking send it back to me. That's, that's awesome. So this was over and over. I had to do this over and over. I'll fucking turn this off. I'm about to lose it right now. <laughs> I fuck, that's why I listen to Monday and fucking Tuesday over and over and over and over. And I had to catch up with the words. And you heard me. I was fumbling them just now. So I had to fucking do it. I had to get up Thursday morning and start all over again. Coffee and that. I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. And brother, when I got at that last line, because there was a bunch of lines I had to say, that's just the beginning of it, motherfuckers. Oh you have no fucking idea. When I dropped that last line, the fuck, I could feel like the headache and everything just go the fuck away. I was like, Jesus Christ. That's what was giving me a fucking migraine headache. This Italian over and over and over and over. It was seven hours of her on loop going on. And there's three different sets of fucking sides, guys. So next time you see me and you're like, Joey looks a little uptight. This is what the fuck I have to deal with. As soon as I finished that, it was like, woo. I sent them both in. And then I had to fucking change my hairdo, change my shirt, and do the fucking Spanish one and do the fucking Cuban one. And that one was a room filled with men. Like it was one of those where it's it's eight different people talking at once. I don't have to tell you how how fucked up that audition was. <laughs> so I just broke it down to as smallest as I can. I just took it so that it was one line me, one line me, and it just went to me. I had to rewrite it. I don't give a fuck if they get mad at me. And I did a speech before it. <laughs> I go, look, I know I don't look fucking attack Cuban to you. You know, you want me to come over here and talk like Ricky Ricardo and the whole fucking thing. And I go, I have a Jersey accent. I even explained the whole fucking Bay of Pigs on the fucking, on the, on the, I love torturing people with the Bay of Pigs, but on the fucking audition video, I even showed them that they got the Bay of Pigs ready in a training camp right here in Newark. I have the newspaper article from 1950 fucking, from 1960. It's on the bar right now That's as we speak. Yes, it's on the bar. There's a newspaper article that somebody found and he goes, I don't know what you want to do with this, if you want to frame this or not. And it was just a, a fucking article in the Newark Ledger. That's that, it's not even a Newark Ledger anymore. It's like the Jersey Star Ledger or some shit. 
but it was from fucking these, uh, how they were taking Cubans and training them in the mountains of New Jersey and shit like that. So I even went into that. I go, the reason why I have a New Jersey accent is because I was trained in the mountains of fucking Cuba, of New Jersey. I wrote my own fucking story for these people. So they're looking at this tape right now going, what the fuck did this guy do? Listen, I don't even care about the role. I just didn't want to let my agency down. And, you know, then they stopped sending me the fuck out. The Italian one I had to put on board because they do a lot of things. And... I want to be part of those fucking things. I want to be on board with those people. So I, I wanted to let them know, no, they do them here. I wanted to yeah. let them know that I'm here now. I'm on the East Coast. And uh, that, um, you know, they just do work on the East Coast. So I just want to let them know I'm on the East Coast. And I'm doing my thing. And that's why I put it on tape. I don't, I'm not, listen, I'm not expecting to get this fucking Italian role. But it's better than not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? It's better than not doing anything. That's... And it's just, it was just a fucking great week altogether. Then we rolled into, you know, I wanted, I want to do each podcast every month on the 19th. I want to do a one-on-one -on -one podcast with you guys because it's going to be called, you know, nine months after, eight months after. Today's eight months from the day that I left Los Angeles. And it has been a fucking miraculous change i mean miraculous for myself my wife and my daughter this has been a period that i needed you know i also made the decision on not rushing into stand-up it was bad enough i rushed into a podcast but i had to keep doing something and i had to stay active i didn't want to rush into stand-up i wanted to take a breather i wanted to really fucking be out there you know i was telling mike before we started the podcast that this last weekend and I wouldn't even tell you motherfuckers this because I don't want you to think that, you know, anything. I don't ever want to do a podcast and talk down to you guys. I love you too much. I just share these stories with you so you know what I'm going through. You understand me? I don't tell you these things because I'm trying to be better than you guys or nothing. I read an article two weeks ago. You guys all saw it. You all saw an article about... Rudy Sarzo deserves to be in the Hall of Fame or whatever just for his work with Quiet Riot, never mind Ozzy, and then Whitesnake and all this shit. So I called him up to congratulate him. He was putting my Monsters of Rock on that week anyway, and we got into a conversation. He goes, hey, I saw you playing the guitar if you ever want to do a lesson. I go, but Rudy, you're a bass player. He goes, no, I know the guitar left and right. He goes, you know, with Randy and then everybody else. He goes, to play the good bass, I got another guitar. And he started talking about the piano and all this shit. And I'm like, I'd love to do a fucking, uh, I'd love to do a fucking podcast, uh, whatever, with your Zoom, and just play the guitar for you, right? So it was Friday morning, and I went to the gym, and I set it up for afterward. He, he, he's an early riser. And I think we set it up at 12 o'clock. I went to the gym. I ran home. I drank a little protein shake. And I came downstairs. I set up the amp. I set up the guitar. And it was it was completely different than what I was expecting. He didn't even, he just told, just he goes, I want to see you play the guitar. So I play, and I know a lot of people are like, you got a fucking guitar lesson from Rudy Sarzo. Listen, it wasn't nothing like that. He was just doing me a favor. Like, he just, it's like a favor, you know? So all we went through, and I'm, I apologize right now to 
that stupid shit I did on Instagram with the guitar because I didn't want you guys to think I didn't respect the guitar. I do respect the guitar. I respect the guitar like I respect stand-up comedy. And I was telling Mike that once the, the, the lesson started, he goes, let me just see you play what you're playing. I showed him what I was playing, Brain Stew and Back in Black and fucking uh, Nutshell, the beginning. And, and he goes, just let's learn a fucking D chord. And he taught me this D chord high. And he goes, first off, I want you to put your elbow against your fucking thing and do not move it from there. He goes, that's a bad habit to get into that. Guitarists raise their elbow. Do not raise your elbow. He goes, take your fingers. And he goes, I want you to use them. You have fat, fat fingers and whatever. You're not pressing hard enough. He goes, I want you to put your finger behind the guitar and I want you to use it like a vice grip. This is what I want you to, when you're pressing, I want you to fucking, I'm getting calluses on this finger already. It's fucking tremendous. You'd think I was finger banging a crack hole or something. <laughs> I'm getting like a little missile on my finger. I'm feeling it right now. Um, and he just showed me all these little things, how he wanted my wrist you know, how my hand had to play. And then he went into this whole theory thing that, guys, it was so intense. It was so fucking intense. I had to go in my drawer and take a football. Like, it, the, anxi <laughs> the anxiety was so fucking much, but it just goes to show you of what and how you have to think to get up to that level in life. Of anything, whether it's a plumber, a mason, a cook, a chef, a guitar player, you see the intensity. You know, you don't, you didn't, you guys didn't want to talk to me 15 years ago on my views of comedy. You did not. You would have not liked me. My views on comedy, my views on the science of comedy is a very hard torture chamber. If somebody I love comes to me, and says to me, I want to learn comedy. The brutally honest talk I'm going to have with them is either going to make them quit or inspire them. Because I'm, I, want to, I wanted to let you know we are not running a fucking game here. They're not running a game. You know, years ago, after I did The Longest Yard, I, I was working Tempe a lot. I could do Tempe. The guy in Tempe was fucking crazy. Remember we laughed about him on the podcast with Bert Kreischer when I said, rest in peace, cocksucker, or something. He was fucking out of his mind. I forget what the guy's name was. It doesn't matter. But I was working Tempe a lot. And there was a dog kid there. And, you know, he came up to me one day, and he's like, man, I like what you do. You know, can you talk to me about comedy? And I was like, Absolutely. So he actually paid me for a room to go to Tucson. He goes, I have a room in Tucson. Can you do the room? So he goes, do you mind if I go out to lunch with you and my mom? You know? And I go, no. You know, bring your mom if you want, whatever. I went to Tucson. I, I got checked into the hotel, and then I met him and his mom for lunch. And his mom, he was a young kid. He must have been 20, 21, 22. And they wanted to ask me questions about comedy. If it was him by himself, I would have spoken to him in a... In a I spoke to him in, in an honest and authentic way, no matter what. But I let him know what needed to be done if he was going to be a fucking comic. 
Like I tried to help him. Like this is what needs to be done. When I was with Rudy the other day, I felt the same way. Like if you're going to play the guitar, this is what needs to be done. Like this is no fucking joke. I don't want you to think that, you know. And the great thing about me is I have no illusions of grandeur. It's not like I'm 22 and I'm thinking I want to join White Snake. I'm going to learn the guitar and in four years I'm going to put a band together. This, this is not for this. For me, it's been rela relaxational. It's bringing me back. It's entertaining me. It's killing time during this pandemic. And I'm learning something at 58. I'm actually learning something. I'm still keeping my fingers coordinated with my fucking brain. I'm trying to do something. You know, I was in such a rough shape. You know, eight months afterward, I was in, I was in such rough shape. Every week, I have been getting better and better. You guys have seen it. I have been getting better and better. I thought for a while there, I thought I had a mild heart attack. Then once I did the surgery, I realized there was no fucking mild heart attack. Then we're through with the fucking surgery. That's in the past. We got the vaccine. So every week, I get better and better. I sleep more. I eat better. You know, I, I exercise more. I'm, I'm doing auditions every week. But it's taken me eight months from the fucking beating, you know, th that was L.A., when I talked to that kid that day, I could see like he was petrified afterward. And that's what you need to be. I want you to know what you're getting yourself into, whether you're playing the guitar, whether you're going to go to vocational school, whether you're going to... The highest level of commitment is necessary for you to be the best. And I knew that. I always knew that with comedy. At, in 2009, when I thought about getting away from comedy, when I thought about it, and then all of a sudden the podcast opened up all these opportunities. I strive to do one thing, and that was to be the best comic I could be. I wasn't trying to be better than Bill Burr. I wasn't trying to be better than Dave Chappelle. I wasn't in a war with fucking Kevin Hart. None of that shit. I was just wor working on me. That's all you need to worry about is how am I going to fucking, you know. I, I met comics and musicians, and, and I've met people that are, you get so caught up in what this guy's doing and what that guy's doing. Or I got to get the comedy store. No, you don't. You just got to get on stage. Get on stage, and in time, you'll get to the comedy store. But you got to get on stage. Don't go up there. I got to get to the comedy store right now. No. You're, never, you're not going to get that. You're just going to get frustrated. You're going to get angry. And it's going to fucking cloud your vision. Just get on stage. When the store is ready for you, the store is ready for you. That's what, a mistake a lot of people made. But what I'm trying to get at here is, a couple of years ago in L.A., you know, like for me, I was, I was burnt out, I, I, and I didn't, had, I had no fucking clue. Right now, I'm telling you that I was burnt out. I had no fucking clue. Today, I don't feel burnt out, but I'm not ready to go back to comedy. I'm forcing myself to get used to my life here, to be a family man here. I mean, Saturday I went to a softball game. First, I got up in the morning with it. I had worked out Friday. I had done all my Weight Watcher points. So I got up Saturday morning, and I went for a little walk. Like I told you guys, I'm doing a little walking therapy. I didn't have to lift or anything. Then I took her to fucking MMA class. Then we came back. We had family. We had lunch as a family. We goofed around. I think we sat outside and stuff. It was still warm out. Then I went and did the fucking softball game. At the softball game, two of my childhood friends showed up. One of my childhood friends showed up with his wife and their grandson to watch my daughter play. And then... I was there with parents of a girl that we get along with that's tight with Mercy, 
And next thing you know, two other parents that have boys showed up that are our friends just to support the girls. So now we had four sets of fucking parents, you know. Now that it's four o'clock and they're like, what are we going to do? Do you want to go to a restaurant? Do you want to go to somebody? The one lady says, well, why doesn't everybody come over to my house? We'll order pizzas, we, whatever. We went and ended up going back. We ended up ordering a ton of fucking barbecue and they had cheesecake and fucking french fries and macaroni and cheese and whatever. Did I go off the deep end? No. My point <laughs> is that fucking if, it did, if I was living in L.A., that never happened. That never happened where I got together with four fucking sets of parents and we just talked and just giggled and just cracked fucking jokes. It was tremendous. Nobody was smoking weed. Nobody was doing bong hits. Nobody even smoked spot there. Nobody even brought it up. I wasn't even high while I was there. I was just fucking being normal, trying to be fucking normal, something I haven't been in years. And now that I have the chance to fucking... To, to have a normal fucking life. And then all of a sudden it's 6.30. And I'm like looking at the clock and I go, Terry, you know how happy I am that two years ago I would have probably had a fucking leave right now because I would have had a spot at the ice house. I would have had an early spot at the comedy store. I don't have to go nowhere. We could sit here and just hang out with the kids. Do you know how nice that fucking feels? Do you know how nice it felt when we came home and we, we, we put on Cobra Kai last uh, Saturday night and we watched the last two episodes and she fucking cried and then we watched an episode of Big City Greens and it's back. The honeymooners wasn't on because the Mets had a fucking doubleheader. My point is that I'm finally enjoying what the fuck is going on in my life. Or the other option was, you know what I would basically been doing? I would have called them at two from a hotel room. I said, what's going on? And she's like, we're here at the field, and I'm here with this person and this person, and this guy showed up, and you know how bad I feel in the hotel room then? I'm missing my daughter's fucking life because I'm doing comedy in some fucking town, and, and, and trust me, I'm not complaining. What I'm saying is that this is how I was living my life, and I'm happy to be living a little different now, eight months later. You know, I hadn't been happy in L.A. It hit me while I was here. I've been here and I've been journaling and I've been trying to write a fucking book with Erica and, you know, this is all still going on. Me and Erica still talk three days a week and this is still fucking on. I mean, we're still on. Just, the podcast isn't the only thing I'm fucking doing. Being a dad is not the only thing I'm doing. You know, I am doing other things. Like I said, we have auditions. We're doing the fucking book. But it's so weird how I didn't know how burnt out I was till I got here. You know, a couple of years ago, something happened. I never complained about it. I never talked about it on the church. I'm going to talk about it now, right now, that it bothered me. I didn't know how much this bothered me till recent. And while I was getting my head together, it came up. I don't know how many years ago Robin Williams killed himself. You know, God rest his soul. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was best friends with Robin Williams. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was a big fan of Robin Williams. I'm going to sit here and tell you that I met him what time at the improv? I met him in 1983 in fucking Snowmass Village. He smelled like death. He was doing coke. <laughs> and he ran away from me when we asked him to sign the box to Moscow on the Hudson. You know, I wasn't friendly with him. I didn't know anything about him. I respected what he did. And I knew he was a comedy store guy. So because of that, I had to give him the respect that he deserved. For years, people said he was a joke. Deep. Listen, he didn't steal none of my jokes. I never met the man, so that was it. I'm at the improv one night, maybe two years before he died, maybe a year before he died, and he was just a meek little old man. 
And I was standing there with Rogan, and he came over, and he shook my hand. He shook Joe's hand. He said, it's nice to meet you, whatever. I just came down here to watch you. Well, he was talking more to Rogan. He wasn't talking to me. He sh shook my hand after Rogan, to be honest with you. And um, he was just very nice, you know. But then all these articles and all these things, I started reading all these fucking things about comics and the dark side of comedy, and that's what really pissed me off didn't piss me off like kind of hurt my feelings when cnn did a fucking like a thing about you know the dark side of comics and i tried watching it for a little while and one day and i was like you know what i'm not watching this because first off i've been proving my I've been, I've been trying to fucking prove to myself all my life that i'm not fucking crazy now here's somebody else raising their hand saying that i'm fucking crazy i'm not fucking crazy okay you know you, you're making a sound like with some whiny bitches that after we do comedy, we go home and we fucking we're in the dark and we fucking think of ways to kill ourselves and think of what, no, it isn't. The only time I struggled like that was from 92 to 95, 96. I was crying because how fucking cruel the world was and what I was going through with my daughter and how frustrated I was with comedy. But after all that pain went away in 98, I was fine. I was just a regular comic who was addicted to drugs. There was no dark side of it. I had the addiction before I got into fucking comedy. So don't blame fucking comedy for my fucking cocaine addiction. I brought that shit into my fucking co into my <laughs> comedy world. That had nothing to do with it, you know. So when I got into comedy, I, I was looking into it because it was dark. I didn't get into comedy because it was fucking happiness. I was getting into comedy because there are drugs. There are fucking venereal diseases. There are fucking, you know, <laughs> this is a reality of it. I didn't get into comedy to be a fucking priest. I got into comedy because I wanted to fucking check out. Nobody gets into comedy because they want to be a priest to change the world or nothing like that. I just wanted to fucking check the fuck out. So from society not from life i'm not meaning from, from <laughs> life I'm, I'm not suicide king here i'm just trying to fucking you know add light to this thing but when i saw that that they did like a three-part series on cnn i'm like why are they fucking we already have a ton of fucking stigmas in our business i already have enough insecurities i don't need for cnn to tell me i'm fucking crazy because robin williams killed himself it just ate away at me but i will tell you one thing I will tell you the dark side of comedy. You know what the dark side of comedy really fucking is? It's not comedy. It's not doing stand-up comedy. It's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. It's that little stupid pressure that Hollywood puts on you. I didn't, I worked against it as much as I could, but you couldn't fucking succumb. You, you, you still couldn't fight it all off it. That desperation that's in the air, that little desperation that the agents have, other comics have, people when they talk to you, you know, after the podcast, it's a different world. It's not like you were on a TV show. When I'm on a TV show and my name is Chuck and I'm part of a cast, I'm playing a character on a TV show. When I'm on a podcast, I'm not playing a character. I'm, this is who the fuck I am. So doing all these things brought out different things in people. Are you following what the fuck I'm talking about here? This isn't, this isn't, this is how I felt. There wasn't no dark side of comedy. The dark side of comedy is the pressure that Hollywood puts on you. Those stupid things. You know, lately at night, once a week, or three nights a week, they show I'm dying up here on Showtime. 
I did like two episodes of that, to that, that show. Uh, well, the other night, my wife called me. She's like, hurry up. You're on the episode. I go, let it go. I don't want to see myself <laughs> on the fucking episode. But it looks at the comedy store from a different perspective. And, what I, and it lets me look at it now without seeing the comedy store for a year from a different fucking perspective. And I'm looking at it, and I, and I see the guy that Ray, Ray Romano's brother, I forget what his name is, he plays one of the characters, and he plays a down-and-out 50-year-old uh, that has been playing in Vegas, you know, and he is now looking to go into business with the lady who's playing Mitzi Shaw. But throughout his the second season, you could see this guy is snapping. And at, at one point, the mob played by yours truly comes to him and says they need their money back or they got to be partners on his venture and he has to pay them, whatever. doesn't really matter. My point is that he snaps one night and he goes, I, you, you don't understand. I just want to get off the fucking road. You know, somebody brought him to me that he was a bad parent and all this shit. And he's like, I just want to get the fuck off the road. You're out there fucking around, lost, you know, to the outside eye. It looks like a lot of fun. And it really is. And it's supposed to be fun. All you're supposed to do, how can, how can there be a dark side to something that is so fucking fun? How can there be a dark side to it? To something that is so fucking pure and lighthearted that if you go up there and you just crack jokes and you have a good time, it's, it gets dark when fucking promoters and fucking club bookers and agents and that's the dark side of comedy when those motherfuckers get involved and one person's telling you one thing and the other guy's telling you that thing and you don't even fucking know and, and don't get me wrong there's no dark side to comedy there's a dark side to music too <clears throat> you don't think Ozzy Oz what do you think I, last week I was goofing around with you fucking people about fucking I don't fuck around with Sharon Osbourne <laughs> you know I wasn't I'm not making fun of Sharon you know I feel bad for Sharon whatever what I'm saying to you people is that look at just take take the forget about Black Sabbath forget about Ozzy Osbourne let's take uh, CCR what's the fucking guy's name John the singer John Fogarty John Fogarty have you ever heard his story how he gets no money from CCR, he wasn't allowed to sing CCR songs. No. What do you think that does to you as a fucking, when all you want to do is sing, all I want to do is sing, all I want to do is play the drums, all I want to do is play the harmonica, <laughs> all I want to do is play the violin, skin flute. all I want to do is play the skin flute, and all of a sudden, <laughs> all these people are now, all you want to do is comedy, all you want to do is comedy, and people go, no, you can't do that venue, can't do that venue because there's not enough tickets, can't do that one because there's too many tickets. You can't do this one because the fucking union. So that's that's what my dark side was. It wasn't what I was doing at all. By no means was it what I was doing. The dark side of comedy to me was the agents, the fucking club man, the owners, the managers, the bookers, the promoters, you know, 3,000. You know, you, so you, you, I was looking over my shit like I was dealing with fucking criminals half the time. I had to look over my shit like I was dealing with fucking criminals half the fucking time. Can you believe that? People that I'm some, you know, th these are like movie people, nice, decent white people. I got to look over my shit because this, they're always thiefing. They always got three hands in the fucking bowl. It's, it's amazing. It's, um, so that's the dark side of comedy. You know, my life changed 
listen, there was a, a rough bump in my life, and it was July of 2016. And that's when I shot Degenerates, and I'm thankful for Netflix for giving me that. I'm, I'm not going to sit here. I'm thankful for fucking everything. I'm very thankful for Netflix for giving me the half-hour opportunity. What I wasn't thankful for was how the opportunity came abroad and the things that happened while... And it wasn't Netflix's fault. You know whose fault was it? It was my fault. I didn't see the writing on the wall. I got blinded by the fucking smoke. I'm, I'm, but I'm a big boy, and I admit that now. I got blinded by the light. I thought that all this shit was going to happen <laughs> from me doing a half-hour special. Shame on me. Shame on me. Those were my expectations. But that was a big lesson for me. But let me tell you what it did. That plane ride home from Vegas after I shot the Netflix special and after the door went down, after Christina got up there and the, the sound and all the bullshit from that night, that plane ride home was a very crucial time for me because it let me know if I was going to do this, I was going to do this on my terms. And it made me a way better fucking stand-up than what I was. It made me, let me tell you something. In 2019, I was very good, guys. I could sit here and blow smoke up your ass. I'll tell you one thing. And you know, I tell you when I bomb, I tell you when I have a rough set, I'm not hit. I'm not one of those comics. I killed tonight. No, you didn't. I wasn't there. You didn't kill. You didn't fucking kill. You, you ate a bag of dicks. But if you killed, if you thought you killed, uh, good luck to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you. I tell you when I eat a bag of dicks, nobody eats a bag of dicks like me. And it was very rare in 2019. Like I said the other day, yeah, I ate a bag of dicks in New Orleans and maybe a couple other cities. But let me tell you something. I look at those notebooks, and I know what I was saying. I know what was coming out of my mouth. and I, I was writing down the result. I was having great shows in 2019. And the beginning of 2020, I was in my fucking, I was on a fucking roll. And if you people saw me in Atlanta, you knew I was on a roll. If you people saw me out when I was in Vegas, I was on a fucking roll. And you motherfuckers who saw me in Tempe of, in 2020, that weekend I fucking killed all five fucking shows because I was looking at it. Before I talk shit, I have a notebook that I write everything the fuck down in. And I was kicking fucking ass. And it was all because of what I felt in 2016. But with all that in mind, I was still fucking burnt out. And don't get me wrong. What I'm doing is taking time off from stand-up. Nobody said I was quitting. I got a little high on those fucking pills in the beginning, and I said I was retiring. I'm not going anywhere. What I'm doing is taking a breather, which is going to make me that much more stronger. Every time I play that fucking guitar, it irks me to fucking write something. The last two nights, listen, every fucking night. Saturday night, I put the UFC fucking fight on. And I practiced my fucking guitar. The only fight I watched was the Gastelman, uh, the Australian fight. The other four fights, I was icing my knee for one fight and pretends in it. And then the other 15 fucking 20, 30 minutes, I was practicing the fucking guitar. And guess what? I ended up writing something about the fight. So I am writing fucking jokes. I'm not ready to go back out there. You know, the fucking jury goes into deliberation today, I think, on the fucking Chauvin case. God knows where we're going to go there in this fucking country. So before all that shit happens, Jesus Christ, I might as well uh, just take some time off. And look, at it. it's done me fucking great, guys. I feel great. I look great. My attitude is fucking better. You know, I'm... 
when I want to go to a comedy club, like Rich Voss, God bless his soul. I love that motherfucker. You know, if you ever get a chance to see him, if he's, he's ever in Jersey, support him. Because the help that he's given me between him and Florentine has been tremendous. But Rich Voss calls me all the time. And he goes, anytime you want to come to one of my shows, if you just want to sit and watch or if you want to do a guest spot, you're more than fucking welcome. The other night, I'm not going to lie to you, UFC night, I was threatened to go to fucking TIFFs because there was no fucking honeymooners. <laughs> and I, I was like pissed off that there was no fucking honeymooners. I was like, maybe I'll go to TIFFs and do a guest set. But I'm not doing that. I owe Uncle Vinny three sets before I do anything. So when I'm fucking hot and ready, and I can see it already, that this little breather and me playing the guitar, I told you guys, for you to be creative, you have to entertain. If you don't get entertained, it's tough to be fucking creative. You got to, you know, and listen, for me, it's not, te like, I wish I could tell you that I'll watch a, a, a Netflix show and I get fucking motivated. That doesn't motivate me anymore. <laughs> you know, a biography motivates me. You know, something like that motivates me. But me watching fucking TV doesn't motivate me at all. That doesn't entertain me. A good movie like The Air Night, a bunch of guys hit me up this week at Close Rangers on The Air Night. Oh, my God. I had to, you know, I just get into movies. I'm an old movie nut. And I don't talk about movies on this podcast as much as I should. But, like, I think it was, yeah, that was my gift for doing those two podcasts, for doing those uh, two auditions. Thursday night, in the midst of my migraine, when it went away, I was like, what am I going to do tonight? And I went to see what was coming on at, like, 10 o'clock at Close Range was coming on. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. I fucking went in there. I played the guitar from 9 to 9.59. <laughs> I fucking took two hits off the fucking pipe. And I sat the fuck down, and I watched at close range from A to Z. And you know what, man? It, I'm a real fan of good acting. Like, I fucking love watching great acting. When it's people that I like, I fucking lose my mind. And I was like, you know what, man? Look at fucking Christopher Walken. Look at Sean Fuck. I mean, I watched the whole thing. The, the, and then during the middle, I'm not going to lie to you, during the middle, I got a little bored, and I went back because I wanted to practice fucking brain stew again because I'm trying to get my fingers to stretch out. So I practiced it again. But at the last scene when he fucking goes in with the gun and tries to get Christopher Walken, then I went back, and I fucking paid attention, and I got all fucking intense, and my palms got sweaty, and I'm like, all right, I got to turn this off now because I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. But I did fucking fall asleep, so everything worked out as fucking planned. But that's it, man. We're here eight fucking months it's crazy it's been that long eight already, fucking months has come and gone i wish i would have given the guitar to you sooner you know i had that in december i was like i don't know if he's gonna be interested in this i wasn't like, i wasn't I, I really i really wasn't worried about it i'm just happy that uh that we came i'm happy that i i got to look at myself from what the fuck was going on you know I should have been the happiest I ever was after 2016, you know, and I wasn't. And I noticed that people around me, there was a lot of comics around me. Some were faking the funk, but I could see some comics were just caught up. And I, and I knew of two comics that were just fucked up that I was talking to constantly and they weren't feeling it. And now 
when we talk, we know what the fuck it was that we were feeling. We were fucking burnt out. You know, there is a dark side to comedy. There is a dark side to music. There's a dark side to plumbing. There's a dark side to everything you fucking do. If you let yourself get taken there. If you let yourself get taken there, there is a dark side to everything. There's a, listen, man, I know women who strip and end up fucked up. And I know women who strip and end up leaving with a fucking Mercedes Benz. They put $50,000 away and a down payment on a condo and they walk away unscathed. There's other strippers that fucking become strippers. And, uh, and you see them 20 years from now and they're toothless with tattoos and biker tattoos on their necks. They belong to it. You know, who knows? It's how what you control it. You know, I fell into it when I got into comedy. I fell into the cocaine, and I, I could blame the store. I could blame the road. I could blame the improv. No. I, I fell into the dark side on my own. You know what I'm saying? And, and my, my dark side was cocaine, which I cleaned up. And then the rest of the dark side was once I got involved in Hollywood. I realized how much I really didn't like it, how much it really wasn't who I am. I just got into this game to do stand-up comedy. I didn't get into this game to go to premieres. I don't look at. I don't like looking at myself on a fucking camera. I don't like all this shit. You know, on YouTube, I go on YouTube when I'm fucking answering emails or something like that, and I'll just put the YouTube page on. You know, and I'll sometimes it's an old video of the church or something, and I'll go, Jesus Christ, let me watch it. I'll watch it. The longest I could watch one of those church videos is maybe 50 fucking seconds. And I go, what? Who the fuck was that guy? And I look at the date and I go, what the fuck was I talking about? And more importantly, what the fuck? How many drugs did I do that day? How many edibles did I do that day? How many fucking joints did I smoke that day? What Was it really fucking necessary? I mean, I'm not, I had a great time. I'm not, listen, it was a great fucking podcast. It was great, to, you know, but what the fuck, you know, I just caught a podcast the other day. Uh, I went to, re, and the reason why I retweeted it was because I was like in shock. We were talking, we had just put acid on a fucking ice cube. <laughs> Lee was like, this ice cube tastes funny. I don't know what the fuck he was talking about, a sugar cube, a sugar cube. We had liquid acid. Putting it on a fucking sugar cube, on a fucking podcast, on a national fucking podcast that's seen all around the world. You didn't even number that. It's just called the acid church. Uh, yeah, we didn't even, you know, it's like, <laughs> that was one of the many fucking acid days. Like, I look at those podcasts and I'm like, what did I do that day? What did we do? Who gave us a pill? Who gave us, you know, a fucking ketamine? Who, fuck, you know, what the fuck were we thinking? And listen, again, you know me, dog. I ain't bitching about doing drugs. I enjoy I'm no fucking quitter. But you have to evolve in your life. And I feel great now. Like today, it's, what is it, 10 in the morning? I still haven't fucking smoked dope. You know? I still haven't smoked dope. I'll smoke before 2. I adhere to the rules. I wrote the rules. I got to adhere to them. But it's not like I used to get up and fucking, I would drink a cup of coffee, and then I would be two, three bong hits in. And then I would be, you know, all day I could hear the wheeze in my throat. Yeah, I still got the wheeze in my throat. And I got the beginnings of emphysema. I know that. You don't need to fucking tell me that. But I do sound a lot better today. I feel a lot better. I'm walking a lot better. I got my walking on. I can tell when I'm breathing. So I'm very happy I made this fucking move. So eight months later, it has been as positive as I thought it would be. Hey, all right, I'm not doing stand-up, but I'm doing a fucking podcast. And I'm learning how to fucking be a dad. I'm just adjusting to learning how to be in a fucking dad. And you know what? Last time I checked, 
there ain't nothing wrong with that, especially after I failed the fucking first time. At least I'm humble enough and, and man enough to say I fucking failed. I, I couldn't come through for my child. But this time, it's going to be different and it is different. And that's why I'm doing the things I'm fucking doing. So I'm happy that you fucking watched today. Uh, I'm happy that we got to open up a Monday. I know that you guys have been fucking, uh, how come you got a guest on a Monday? Okay, listen, I'm coming on here and I got something to say. It's been eight months and this is what the fuck has happened. And this is how I feel. So I'm happy that you're fucking watching, guys. I'm happy that you uh, are seeing the change in me. You're seeing what's going on here. And in time, we're just going to keep getting stronger and better. And we're going to put guests on. Whether you like them or not, that's not my fucking problem. Uh, that's up to you to decide. I'm just going to keep doing my fucking job and keep doing what I'm doing. Being honest with you motherfuckers. That's the best thing I could do. So it's Monday the 19th. I've been here for eight months. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for watching. And uh, we'll see you motherfuckers Thursday with a guest, just so you fucking know. Wednesday. A good guest. We're going to have a great fucking time. And I don't know what I'm doing for 420 yet. Happy 420 for all of you. I know CBD Lions got a sale I talked about in the beginning and at the end. I know that I'm going to try to do something with, uh, I know that my man is doing something that, uh, be real is doing something with cypress hill and it's going to be a pay-per-view event i mean i would jump on it if i was you it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun you know i love be real we were supposed to do each other's podcast but he's been rehearsing and you know we've been trying to put it together i don't know what's going to happen today if maybe i could go on there today and do a segment but uh happy 420 to all you motherfuckers i'll be doing something i'm going to surprise my patreon people but that's all I got for you motherfuckers. Have a great week. Have a great Monday. And I'll see you motherfuckers tip-top Magoo Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. as usual. Have a great fucking day. And now for a word from my motherfucking sponsors, Jack. All right. I want to thank you motherfuckers for watching on a beautiful Monday morning. Thank you for the ear beating I gave you. I know you guys are like Joey, the guest. Ah! So fucking Mondays, I'll come to you direct to start your week off on the right foot. Before we leave, I want to talk to you about something. CBD line is having a huge 420 sale right now. It goes on till tomorrow. What are they going to give you? They're going to give you 35% off when you use code Joey or church. Who's better than Uncle Joey on a Monday? Nobody. Who's better than CBD Lion? Nobody. If you use, if you spend over $75, they're going to send you a free gift. And remember that you can still register to win the PlayStation 5 until April 30 at the end of the month. I don't know if there's 31 days on April or 30. I don't know. I don't have my fucking calendar in front of me. What I'm telling you is register right now to win a PlayStation. It's hard to fucking find, and CBD Lion's got one for you. CBD Lion, 420 sale. The best. Enter code Joey, cocksuckers. 35% off. The joint is also brought to you by Blue Chew. Joey, what's Blue Chew? Blue Chew, Blue Chew is the first chewable dick pill. It is blue, and it tastes tremendous. Why would I need that, Joy? Why? Because sometimes you need a little extra fucking something to make that little soldier fucking stand up at attention. Nothing to be fucking ashamed about. I'm 58 years old. I had a pop one last week. You know what I'm saying? Nothing to be ashamed about. 
But I'll let you on a little secret. You get Blue Chew and you combat all forms of erectile dysfunction. They got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis at the fraction of the cost. And it's easily and totally legit. And there's no bullshit here. It's an online prescription service. Blue, with Blue Chew, there's no visits to the doctor's office. There's no awkward conversations. There's no eye contact. There's no waiting online. There's no fucking nothing. The process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com and you talk to one of the licensed medical professionals. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And it comes discreet. There's no pictures of dicks or sad guys walking down the street on the fucking envelope. It's a discreet package. The envelope, the mailman don't know dick. Nobody knows dick. Not even your wife will know dick. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly. It's way cheaper than a pharmacy. Even if you don't have erectile dysfunction, you want that missile to be fucking ready. You understand me? At all fucking times, you're ready to get a good fucking dick sucking with BlueChew.com. So do me a favor. Go to BlueChew.com right now and enter promo code Joey to receive your first month for free. They got a special deal for you. Try BlueChew free when you use promo code Joey at checkout and just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Joey, to receive your first month for free, free, free. And as always, I want to thank BlueChew for supporting the podcast. I want to thank BlueChew, and I want to thank CBD Line. Do not forget to go to CBD Line for their 35% off. And that's it, and that's that. I love you, motherfuckers. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great day, and have a great motherfucking 420. That's it. That's how you end the fucking podcast, cocksuckers. Have a great day.